0: of the Lord, forever I will sing, I will sing, I will sing, I I will will sing, sing of the mercies of the Lord, forever. forever I will sing, of the mercies of the Lord. Hello, we are the Fairhaven Baptist College Mixed Ensemble from Chesterton, Indiana. My name is Robert Dupre. I grew up attending Fairhaven, and I'm currently a senior studying pastoral theology. Good evening. My name is Haley Bickford. I'm from the little town of Lee in the beautiful state of Maine. I'm a junior this year studying elementary education. Hello. My name is Trevor Golden, and I'm from the Ozark Hills of Missouri. I'm a junior this year studying pastoral theology and music. And as you all know, I'm Becca Zadarsky from this great city of Chicago. I'm a junior this year studying sacred music and speech. Hi, I'm Bethany McGovern, and I grew up as a missionary kid in the country of Papua New Guinea, and I'm currently a sophomore studying sacred music. And our pianist is Charity Van Raiden. She is from Franklin Grove, Illinois, and is in her final year studying sacred music. With my mouth, With my mouth will I make known His faithfulness, His faithfulness. With my mouth will I make Faithfulness to all generations I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever I will sing, I will sing I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever I will sing of the mercies of the Lord I will give all my praise unto the Lord forever, all my praise, all my praise, all my praise. I will give all my praise unto the Lord forever, I will give all my praise unto the Lord. With my mouth will I make known His faithfulness, His faithfulness. To all generations I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever I will sing I will sing I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever I will sing of the mercies of the Lord I will sing of the mercies of the Lord Only one life to offer, Jesus, my Lord and King. Only one tongue to praise thee, and of thy mercy sing. Only one heart,
1: steeple.
0: Consecrated alone to thy matchless glory, yielded fully to thee.
1: of Calvary's redemption in thy glorious name.
0: Only one life to offer take the dear Lord, I
1: pray. Nothing from thee withholding I know.
0: Do you ever stop to think
1: Where you're going or what
0: you're searching for When a pleasure springs you drink After all you've tried, still unsatisfied You go on with thirsting soul Listen troubled heart, ere the chance depart there's a fountain you should know. There's a fountain flowing free with living water.
1: It is offered not to lost and dying men.
0: Come and drink of full
1: salvation. You will never, never thirst again. God above, resting in his love, are two joys you never know. When you live without waters from the
0: fault God has given be below. In this world of fear, death is ever near, when it comes, where will you be? and cursed with an unquenched thirst or with God
1: eternally gain and revelry popularity bring no lasting peace of mind drink them while you will you'll be thirsty still
0: and no satisfaction find sin brings
1: deep regret Things you can't forget, wretched scars and unreached goals. Why, O oh sinner,
0: why would you choose to die when the Savior loves to solve? There's a fountain flowing free with living water. It is offered now to lost and dying men.
1: Come and drink a full salvation, it will never, never thirst again, never thirst again.
0: Earlier, my name is Robert Dupre, and I grew up attending Fairhaven, so initially it uh, wasn't my choice whether or not I was going to come to Fairhaven. It's kind of up to my parents. Uh, I moved, we moved to Chesterton, or to Indiana in 2000. So I've been here most of my life in Chesterton. So when it come, came time for me to choose a college to attend, it wasn't like a huge deal, you know. I grew up there, so unlike a lot of people. Um, and I, I heard a lot about other colleges and how everything was changing. That was the big thing. Like, I'm sure you guys are familiar with Brother David Cloud, and uh, a lot of his work really opened my eyes to the state of a lot of colleges across America. Uh, there's music changing, standards are changing, doctrines changing. But one thing about Fairhaven is that it's remained the same, and they're still sticking by the Bible. And um, that's one thing that really uh, made a deciding factor in where I'd go to college. And um, I didn't feel called to full-time service, and I'm still praying about it. But um, one thing I would encourage anyone here who's not really sure what the Lord wants them to do with their life, come at least for a year of Bible college. You'll learn so much. And uh, as Pastor Teasdale said earlier, um, and even, I love all my classes. I mean, all my teachers, you can tell, they just love the Bible, and they love their classes and what they do. And they are godly people and and, and servants of God. And um, they're just, you can tell they pray for power each time they get up to teach. It's not, Flippant, you know, and that's you can just. Be, I'm so thankful for that. But I think what I've learned most about Fairhaven and through the ministry there has been outside the classroom, and I can say that probably most people that have gone there would say the same thing. Um, for when you get there, you're you're plugged into ministry. That's the big thing. Um, so you probably get an opportunity to be a part of the bus ministry. Which to me, that is, is just a great, huge opportunity. I know you guys pick people up here for church, but the bus ministry is just a great uh, way you can see how ministries run and um, you get the opportunity to work with people. And on our, on our route, in particular, we are seeing some great results. I mean, I, we're seeing some teenagers who just love, love God and love the Bible. And uh, just last week, we had the Empowered Youth. We picked up four of them, or three of them came to each Sunday uh, evening service and just they're really growing and they're learning the Bible and it's just a great opportunity to work with those kids. And, and we're seeing people saved too. Um, I'm not here to give testimony of my bus specifically, but I mean, just a lady, um, she got saved and her family's really moving forward, but the dad was not saved yet. And we were just praying for him and praying for him. And his uh, wife who was saved got a stroke and it was just a horrible stroke. She's still in the hospital. But through that, Kenneth uh, came out to the, the week she got a stroke, he came out the next Sunday and got saved. And we've just seen that family really start taking huge steps for God. It's so exciting. And um, I would encourage you, just just come, if not for anything, for ministry. And, and just really get some hands-on experience with ministry, with the bus ministry. You can be involved in nursing home. And uh, there's so many ways to be plugged in at Fairhaven. Um, dorm life. I just, this is my second semester in the dorm. So I, I you know, I've been a town student, as they say. I, I lived about a half mile away. But just in the two semesters so far, I mean, I'm only halfway through my second. But I've learned so much about just making friends, making good, godly friends. And you really don't get the whole experience unless you've been in the dorm of college. Uh, I'm sure most of you know that. But, uh, yeah, and and it's just so encouraging to be around Guys my age who are focused on the same thing. They want to do God's will in their life. And you just, you're just you just right alongside them. You're working together in ministries. And it's just really, really a fun uh, fun way to really get involved. Um, I mean, there's so many things I could talk about with Fairhaven. Internship two summers ago. A lot of the guys, if you're here for four years, you, you might get uh, the opportunity to be a part of an internship. I got to go out to Utah and work under a pastor which I was used to a big church, you know. Fairhaven's pretty large ministry. But it was just so great to, see, to be involved in a smaller, smaller ministry and just see that aspect of it as well. And so um, you can, there's really so many opportunities uh, for a, um, a prospective student. But I would just encourage you, um, you're going to come. You, you come to Fairhaven, you're going to hear some great preaching. Uh, twice a week we have chapel. Twice a week we have CE. We hear a lot of great godly teaching and preaching. And um, it's not like the chapel messages are dry, dry, but each one is just powerful and convicting. And um, I'd really encourage you. It's it's such a great place, as your pastor was saying, just to find God's will for your life. And um, I'm still praying about what God wants me to do. But um, I would encourage you, consider at least one year. and, And I guarantee you, you won't regret it.
1: in sunlight, I am rejoicing,
0: praising the Lord. I wandered in the shades of night till Jesus came to me, and with the sunlight of his love in all my darkness fleek. Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today, sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I have had the sunlight of His love within. Sunlight, walking in sunlight, I am rejoicing, praising the Lord. Walking in sunlight, on on my journey, over the mountains, through the deep, deep, said. Never can never can fail. Heavenly sunlight, heavenly sunlight, flooding my soul with glory divine. Hallelujah, I am rejoicing,
1: singing his praises. Jesus is mine.
0: Today, Sunlight, sunlight all along the way, since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I have had the sunlight of his love within. Sunlight,
1: walking in sunlight, I am rejoicing, praising the Lord.
0: To my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some your sonnet Some by flaming tongues above Praise the mountain I'm fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my neb and hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope by like a pleasure, safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the To rescue me from danger interpose his precious blood O oh, to grace how
1: great a debtor Daily really I'm constrained to be Let thy goodness like a fetter I'm my wandering heart to be, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to
0: leave the God I love. Yes, my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for.
1: Thank you very much, and uh, it's a privilege to uh, be here with you tonight. Uh, I certainly take it as a uh, privilege to uh, speak from your pulpit, and I appreciate the opportunity to do so. Um, I do want to say we have a table in the back that uh, we'd love for you to stop by and grab some information uh, about the college, and uh, there's some uh, pamphlets and other things that you can look at. We also have back there some good music that uh, our church has put together over the years, uh, good, uh, godly, uh, holy type of music. Uh, you won't find uh, the twangy, uh, the new style of music back there. We believe in good old-fashioned sound music. And so, if you'd like to look at that, and uh, buy some CDs. Those are available back there. There's also a Fairhaven Fundamentalist, Always Abounding. is. a uh, uh, what we call it, and it's uh, uh, available back there for free. Just look it through. And uh, we always uh, are looking for um, good young people, godly young people uh, who are serious about the Lord's work. Fair Haven is not for everybody. I'll be the first one to say that it's not for everybody. Uh, but if you're a serious student who's wanting to uh, see uh, God do a work in your life, and like we mentioned, even a year, or if you're looking to go into full-time service... Uh, you pray about that, and, and as the Lord leads, uh, you do what He wants you to do. All right, turn your Bibles, if you would, this evening to Matthew chapter 18. My name is Euroshrock. I have uh, been there at Fairhaven for more than half my life now. <laughs> Hard to believe sometimes. Um, I came as a 18-year-old college student and uh, graduated in 98. And uh, since then, I've been teaching in the high school, and then a few years ago... number of years ago now switched over to the college entirely and uh, so I get to uh, watch these guys in the dorm, Uh, I get a whole dorm full of college guys, you know, it's a lot of fun, Um, so uh, we we do appreciate their uh, zeal (laughs) uh, for the Lord and for many other things too, right? Uh, But uh, we do have a good group of uh, young people in the college this year. Uh, We I don't know if it's ever been done at our college, but uh, this year the number of guys and the number of girls in the dormitory is exactly the same this semester. So that's uh, something we're very excited about. We're not excited the girls went down a little bit, but we're very excited the number of guys went up. We're always looking for men, young men, to come in there and uh, train and to grow and to become uh, the next generation of preachers. That's what we're asking the Lord to do. I uh, have four little children, my wife and I do, and we uh, put a lot of emphasis. Everything in my life, it seems like, now revolves around making sure that my children grow up to serve the Lord. And so I can't help but talk about this a lot, and I'm going to look at this idea tonight. You must become as a little child. Turn into your Bible to Matthew chapter 18, if you would, uh, verse number 1. Matthew 18, verse number 1. The Bible tells us that Jesus himself said, In order to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, you must become as a little child. The disciples uh, before this time were arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And they were deciding... Uh, or they were trying to figure out who was going to be the second in command or sitting right along the row of rulers with Jesus. And they thought that Jesus was about to set up an earthly kingdom here on this earth. And so they were disputing in the way, trying to figure out who was going to be the greatest. And of course, Peter said, well, I'm, I'm the leader. You know, I'm a natural born leader. It'll probably be me. And John speaks up and says, no, no, no. It's going to be me because he loves me more than he does anybody else. The, the beloved disciple. And each one of them, I'm sure, has their reason. Judas probably spoke up, you know, I'm the guy that carries the money, and Jesus trusts me more than he does the rest of you guys. He'll probably make me the treasury secretary of his new kingdom. Well, the as they argue back and forth, Jesus, who knows everything, realizes, of course, that they're disputing about this. And so, chapter 18, verse 1, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you speak to our hearts tonight. Convict us, Lord, of putting off our pride and putting off our own worldly desires and becoming as a little child again, trusting You and humbly believing in You. Lord, I pray that You'd use the things that I have to say tonight, I believe from Your Word, to encourage us and to challenge us tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the disciples arguing, and Jesus said, Unless you be converted and become as little children. These disciples were saved, I believe, This, except for Judas. Uh, this conversion is not a salvation conversion, but a conversion of their way of thinking. They were thinking of who was going to be the greatest, and Jesus said the way up is down. The way to become somebody in the Christian life is to become nobody. <clears throat> Children have their own perspective on life. Children have a funny way of looking at things, about many, many things. I'm sure those of you with little children, uh, Harold Teasdale over here and others who have little children, you probably see all kinds of funny things all the time. I'm, we're constantly, my wife and I, were laughing about things they say and things they do and so on. Uh, there was one time a lady who was teaching a four-year-old Sunday school class and a little boy showed up without any identification She tried to get his first name but couldn't find out his last name. Finally, she said, Brian, what's your dad's name? And of course, he said, Daddy. What's your mom's name? Mommy. Suddenly, she realized exactly how she could get the answer she needed. She said, Brian, what does your dad call your mom? (laughs) Be careful. He said, Oh, that's easy. He calls her the same name as Paul Bunyan called his blue ox. Babe! Oh, no, that was not the right question. Children do funny things, and they have a very unique perspective. My children think that I can do anything. Uh, My children, one time, uh, they were arguing over whether Daddy can do something or not. Uh, My son said, no, Dad can't do that. And my daughter said, oh, yes, he can. He's Dad. It was just as simple as that. Cut and dried. Dad is Dad, and so therefore he can. Uh, But Jesus said there's much more to people that we call children than just entertainment value. He makes this claim that children are models of what we should be to enter and grow in our Christian life. Children. All right, so let's look at this idea tonight of becoming as a little child. And I I have some things that I have thought of that I think very much apply to how we should live our lives as children. I do not believe in this whole mentality of kids first in the state of Indiana. We have a license plate there that says kids first. I believe that children have their place in the home. I certainly believe that. But these aspects I want to look at tonight, I believe, apply to how we should be as adults... Back to the, to the, to the days of, uh, of the attitude of a child. First, we, like children, should be empty of our own ambition. I've found with my children that I can convince them of anything. I can convince them of, you know, if we were going to go to the park, I can make it sound like it's the most exciting thing they'll ever do and they'll want to do it. Boy, if I, you know, I don't have to have a a big promotion. I don't have to go somewhere far away. I don't have to do this big activity. I just say, hey, we're going to do this. You know, something real small. We're going to have a sucker at the bank. We're going to go to the bank. Do your banks do that around here? My kids, all they want to do is go to the bank with Dad. Because at the bank, we get a sucker. Boy, I can make... Children don't have necessarily their own plans and ideas. It's easy to sway them. Listen, our father should have an easy time persuading us to do what he wants us to do. He should have an easy way of shaping our will. Now, children children have a strong will, but as a parent, I've found it's we spend our lives shaping and molding their will to do what we want them to do and what the Bible wants them to do. And our father should have a should should enjoy working on our will and getting us to do what he wants us to do. Parents and adults get all caught up in what we want to look like and how we want to be perceived, and we worry about keeping up with the neighbors next door, and we miss what's really important. Listen, focus on what God wants you to do and not your own plans necessarily. Uh, We want the front of the bus. People want the back of the church and they want the center of attention. And that's just wrong. We ought to be like little children and empty ourselves of our own ambition. As they're arguing about this... I'm sure Matthew, you think about these disciples as they're saying, Look, I ought to be the first in line, the most important, the sit, the one sitting up there next to Jesus in the kingdom. Matthew takes this opportunity to point out the fact that he had a very lucrative position as a tax collector, and he gave that up. And each one of them says, Well, Peter says, Well, I gave up my fishing position. You know, I was making good money, and I gave that up. I want you to understand that there's nothing that you can give up that, is, that, that you made a great sacrifice, a greater sacrifice than what Jesus has done for you. You can make a sacrifice for God. You can give sacrificially, and it's still, you know, it's still not as great as the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. But we seek a position, we seek a pride uh, as adults, and we should empty ourselves of that pride and our ambition. There's a young woman who went to her pastor, and she said, Pastor, I have a besetting sin, and I want some help. I came to church on Sunday thinking that I'm the prettiest girl in the congregation. And the pastor said, Mary, sorry if we have a Mary in here. said, Mary, don't worry about it. In your case, it's not sin. It's a horrible mistake. (laughs) We, We want the front of attention. Boy, we want all of these things that will... That will make us look good. And we like children should empty ourselves of that ambition. <clears throat> Secondly, we like children should look to share good news. Isn't that children? That's my kids. Boy, they, they want to tell me about every little thing that happened. Uh, a couple weeks ago, our little one year old, she got her finger stuck in a door. And, of course, that really hurt. And and so it swelled up around her pinky finger. And yesterday, her, her fingernail fell off. Well, that is the biggest news in our house right now. Boy, I walk in the door after our bus... Uh, me, uh, I'm sorry, after bus visiting yesterday, I come home and my kids, Daddy, look, you won't believe what happened. Her fingernail came off. I mean, everything is about this, you know, this very... Really big drama. You know, everything is really big stories. Children love sharing good news. Listen, can we get excited again about sharing the good news? Instead of sitting there, you know, our salvation has gotten old and we sit there and we twiddle our thumbs and we don't do anything for the Lord. Instead of going back to the age where we were just excited, excited about sharing the good news. As a little child, Listen, do you have good news? That's the the meaning of the word gospel. It's the good news. Do you have good news to share? If you've been saved and your sins have been forgiven, you have good news. Won't you share it? Tell those good news. I could go on many illustrations of my kids uh, about every little thing. Uh, the, the, The socks went through the washer and they got a hole in them. Right? I mean, just any little thing. And they get excited about that. We went to the park today, and you won't believe what happened. There was a bug flying around, you know. And, I mean, just everything is big news. Why can't we be excited about the good news we have to share? Third, we, like children, should be teachable. Teachable. Boy, if there's anything, boy, my kids are just little sponges absorbing everything. Boy, they just take it all in. And then they, they'll they spit it out at the most inopportune times too, you know. Boy, they got to tell you what they read about or what they saw or what they learned. Listen, we should be teachable. If we're teachable, we seek counsel and we receive counsel. When, when your pastor comes to you and says, look, you need to do this. You need to think about this. Now, do you take that seriously? Teachable. When, you're, when you hear a message about something that makes you feel uncomfortable, we should be teachable and accept that and say, listen, boy, I'm glad that somebody cared enough to point that out to me. Our children, uh, I'm sorry, we also we should receive a cri- a criticism and correction in love. We know that that's, that's for our good. And so our children teach us to be teachable. Fourth, we, like children, should trust in God completely, our Father. Trust in our Father. <clears throat> you can, uh, I'm sure, think of many examples with your children uh, of the, the trust that they have in you. I remember uh, often, actually not remember, I, I can tell you many times, our kids, they'll, they'll be scared about something. Uh, Our children sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and we have a cat and our cat likes to go in the bunk bed and and put his claws up around the back of the bed and play with their blankets that are hanging down. And oh boy, every once in a while our kids will wake up and they'll be scared of the cat and they don't know what's going on. So what do you do? I walk in there and I just say their name and if I have to I pick them up and then immediately they calm down. They trust me. There's a security there. Listen, when when we, like children, have a problem, we go to our Father. We can trust in Him. Somebody was just mentioned to me something about a family member that's that's really disturbing. You know what happens? You trust God. You can't do anything else. You just put it in His hands. You cast your cares upon Him, for He careth for you. Aren't you glad that we have a Father that we can go to. I'm glad, uh, in my case, I'm glad that I had a father that I could go to. He was a godly example unto me. And I trusted him, and I believed him. He encouraged all of us uh, as children. There was ten of us children. And he encouraged every one of us to go into full-time service. Now, we didn't all go, but we all wanted to go. Why? Because... That's what you did. That's how you gave your life to the Lord. And if God said no and He directed you a different path, then that's fine. But God God used that to steer many of us into full-time service. Listen, I trusted Him. And listen, our, our Heavenly Father, we can trust in Him. Everything we need, we receive in our Father. I can trust Him. I believe Him. When I have a problem with my children... Believe me, I I know the day is coming when I'm going to have health problems or when my children or something's going to happen to one of my family members. And I'm going to say, where do I turn? I hope I take this advice. I know where to turn. My father who knows everything and put it in his hands and trust in him. I'm so thankful that I can do that. Let me state it again. My children believe everything I tell them. They just believe me. Dad knows it. Dad knows exactly how to deal with this. Listen, I want to give them the the right picture of my Heavenly Father. They believe me, and I don't ever want to ruin that trust. And I I know that I can go to my Heavenly Father, and I never have to worry about Him failing me or, or not being faithful. I'm glad I can trust in my Father completely. Number five. We, like children, should want to please our Father. Now, if you have little children, you know that they don't always want to please you. Many times they want to please themselves. But I can't, I can't, I I don't get over the fact. I'm always shocked at how my kids want to please me. They want to look to my face for approval. You that have little kids, you'll know this feeling. When your child gets in trouble for something they did wrong. One of the first things I've seen is when as soon as they, I get done dealing with them, they look to my face to see if I've gotten over it, if I'm not upset with their sin anymore. They look to see does dad approve of me? Does he does he love me? Of course. I put a big smile on my face and they turn around they give me a big hug. They love their dad. Why? They want to please me. Well, I hope we have that same feeling with our Heavenly Father. When He corrects us and when He, when he leads us, we can look in His face and we know that He approves and He loves us and He cares for us still. There's nothing going to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm thankful that our Father, uh, we can look to His face and know His love for us. It's natural for a soldier to want to please his captain. It's natural for a child to want to please his parents. It's natural for a Christian to want to please his Heavenly Father. Boy, I have a problem with someone who, who can live their life and not want to, not even care about their Heavenly Father. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that kind of salvation. I believe a salvation that comes into the life of a person will make them want to please their Heavenly Father. Jesus, in John chapter 8, verse 29, said, I do always those things that please Him. He loved pleasing His Father. And we should please our Heavenly Father. Uh, I, I know my children are young. The oldest one is six. And I know there's going to be times where they don't want to please me. But the, but the principle is very true still. That they, if you train them right. And if you're raising them right. That they'll, they'll look to you. And they'll look to you to see if you're going to, to give them your blessing. They want my blessing. They want my approval. Last. We like children should desire to be sheltered from the world we should desire to be sheltered from the world i hear people snicker and laugh about how christian children are live in a bubble and they're protected from the world and i say amen to that i'm not ashamed of that i'm glad that my kids can be pure when they get married i'm glad that my kids can be protected from the things of the world I believe, I love having the nice technologies, and I enjoy having certain things. But boy, I'm also glad that we have protection from the world. I'm glad for that protection. Children, do they like protection? You bet they do. They love coming into my house, our house, and they feel safe there. They come into the house, and everything, you know, the world can be doing whatever... But they come into the house and they feel comfortable and protected. I know you feel that way in your church. Well, The world can be doing whatever, but, but when you come to church, you're in the house of God and you're, you're there, you're safe. And you know, it's very true as a Christian. If I was, if I was not a Christian, I don't know what I would do uh, concerning our country right now. Wouldn't it be? You know, I don't know what I'd do, boy. I'd be scared. I'd be I'd be terrified of what's going to happen with, you know, the Muslim extremists and whatever you, have. you know. I'd be scared to death. But as a Christian, we know that our Father is in control. Boy, I'm glad for that. I wouldn't trade this for anything. I'm glad for the protection and the shelter from the world. <clears throat> Things that we don't want anymore. We leave unsheltered, right? If you don't want something, you leave it outside. If you don't need something very much and it doesn't really matter, it's not really important, you leave it outside and you don't protect it and you don't shelter it. You don't lock it up. But if you have something that's valuable to you, you protect it and you shelter it. If you have a nice car, you're not going to leave the car open with the keys in it. If you have something valuable, you're going to protect it. And how much should we want to protect our children? I don't understand the reasoning that says, well, my child has to learn to just, you know, to make their own choices and learn on their own. That's not my job. The Bible tells us that my job is to train them and to mold them and to shape them. Children are like clay in the potter's hand that have to be shaped and guided and directed. I mean, how foolish to say, well, my children, I'm going to let them choose to be whatever they want to be. Well, I hope you're ready to go take them out of jail someday then. Listen, our children are there to be protected and sheltered from the world. A writer wrote a number of years ago in the Kansas City Times. He said, most of what I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten." Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sandbox. Think about some of these lessons. I thought this was interesting. Lessons from the sandbox. Share your things. Play fair. Don't hit people. (laughs) My kids, I always have to tell them that, my son. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say sorry when you hurt somebody. When you go out into the world, watch for traffic, hold hands, stick together. These are all things we tell our kids. And we learn that these are lessons that can still apply as adults. Now Jesus took the treatment of little children very seriously. In our passage, go back to our passage there. we probably haven't left. Verse 6. Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. To the Jews, a burial at sea was the worst one of the worst things you can imagine. It was it was considered to be for those who were totally an outcast uh, that they were dooming their souls to destruction in the sea. There's no body. You know, I know there is a bottom of a sea, but. You, you just go down in the sea and you're lost forever. That was a picture of utter destruction. And Jesus used this example of a little child. If you hurt a little child, you deserve to be utterly destroyed. Think about that. So Jesus taught here on the importance of living as a little child. Christ reminds the disciples... What they needed to be like to draw close to him. And if God's your heavenly father, the only door that, or I'm sorry, the only key that will unlock the door of salvation is humility as a little child. Listen, if you're here tonight and you're not saved and you don't know Jesus as your personal savior, you have to come to the point where you're willing to bow your knee to Jesus Christ. And humble yourself and say, God, I humble myself as a little child to receive Jesus as my Savior. The world can mock and sneer at that. (laughs) You know, I hear people say, religion is a crutch. Well, I don't like that term, but if I have to depend upon God, that's not too bad. (laughs) He's, He's pretty powerful, you know. He's the almighty God. Okay, I'll depend on him. If I have to do that, I'll take that. Listen, as much as our children need us, they need me as a father. They need me to be there and to work on their behalf and to protect them and to love them and to care for them. Our Heavenly Father wants us to treat Him the same way. Jesus said this, except you become as a little child, except you become as a little child, won't you surrender your heart tonight and, and if there's something here in the message that I dealt with tonight that God has worked in your heart about, I'm going to have an invitation for you in just a little bit. Come down and pray about it and ask God to help you in that area. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around, please. And as they get ready for the invitation, I'd like for you, each one to stand to your feet, if you would, please. Stand to your feet. And I'm going to pray and then I'm going to turn it over to uh, Pastor Teasdale to do what he'd like for in the invitation.